1: And I'm Kervin. And today we will be covering the big geopolitical stories of the week. And there are quite a few interesting things that happen. So let's get into it. What is on your radar?
0: All right. We're doing russia Ukraine almost a year since that invasion. But Western nations have started discussing sending more air defense systems to Ukraine. There is talk of a possible coup in Moldova. At the same time that Russia was flying missiles over Moldovan airspace, they were also flying supersonic strategic nuclear bombers over the Norwegian Sea.
1: Well, that seems fine.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk about more balloons and why they're getting shot down. Okay. Or maybe UFO or maybe, you know, spacecraft. We'll talk about that. (laughs) China have made the claim that actually it was the U.S. that started doing the balloon flying, so that's why they did it.
1: Right, 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 of course.
0: Yeah, at, at the same time, Iran and China started having meetings to solidify that relationship. Yeah. And, and we're going to end it out because last week we talked about Se- Seymour Hirsch and his article about the Nord Stream sabotage. There was a substack from an, OS, from an open source intelligence analyst that Rebutted a lot of what Seymour Hirsch said. So, I'm going to, we're going to talk about that. And then I will okay. put both of those into the show notes so that you guys can read it.
1: Okay. So, what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine?
0: Well, like I said, it's hard to believe we are about a week away from the one year anniversary. It's probably a good idea. That was a
1: good, I, that, that yes. was a good episode of the week that happened because you were fired up.
0: I was fired up and tipsy, and a lot of things were going on. <laughs> um, and mainly because no one listened, you know? Yeah. You had the French president going, nah, nothing's going to happen. The Canadian president saying, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's a good idea to spend some time this week talking about where the two countries stand before next week when we actually mark that significant date.
1: Like, sounds good. Where do we stand at this point?
0: All right, so obviously Russia continues to rely on Iran for military and technical and technological support to Ukraine, or in Ukraine. Ukraine's military intelligence actually intercepted audio of two of Iran's Shahid drone operators, and they were coordinating targets in what they called a Kurdish dialect with Farsi words interspersed. Um, Aside from that, in calling out Iran, The Wagner Group has begun publicly releasing brutal execution videos. And it's just a generally graphic content that they're posting. And what they're trying to do is begin to normalize those images within domestic Russian media. outlets. That's scary. Yeah. It's just, you know, we've talked about this before. When you're in a war with another another group of people or or a country, you sort of have to demonize those people. This is Wagner's... This is what Wagner Group is doing to do that.
1: Their they're tactic, they're taking that
0: Yeah, that
1: exactly. Well, oh, that's scary. So, and, sounds
0: and, like and then,
1: a lot of bad news. Y- yeah.
0: Well, not to mention that Russia is still continuing that push west from their major offensive starting out in eastern Ukraine.
1: Well, Like I said, sounds like a lot of bad news for Ukraine right now.
0: Yeah, and, you know, so that's why a large group of the Of the countries that have been supplying ukraine with military equipment they've actually met this week in brussels to talk about quickly sending air defense systems to help out ukraine
1: what kind of air defense systems are on the table
0: well up until now ukraine relied on soviet-era air defense systems those are the sierra 300 or the s-300 that actually has helped in denying russia the ability to fly freely over the country but ukraine is running out of munitions um and so they're looking to increase its stockpiles of things like Patriot missiles as well as getting more missiles for their national advanced surface to air missile system that was sent to to them from NATO.
1: <laughs> so that
0: third generation system fires actually, oddly enough, the AIM three Sidewinder missile, which became very popular and got a lot of press over the last two weeks because it's used to shot you know, shoot down that suspected Chinese spy balloon. <laughs>
1: well, Do you think it is likely Ukraine will get all of those upgraded air defense systems? There was a recent poll released saying that people are becoming more cynical about sending these military packages to Ukraine. Is that the case? And does that affect a country's ability to send the equipment?
0: Yeah, look, we're getting to that one year anniversary, like we said. And I do think just regular civilians, you know, they believed this war or Russians, the special military operation, they thought it'd be over. Um, Yeah, They want their countries to focus on the economies in those countries. They want those countries to focus on keeping their citizens protected, but here we are. Uh, As of, I will say that as of November 22nd, the U.S. alone has sent more than $51 billion in aid to Ukraine. Now, that's a lot of money, $51 billion. I probably will never... See that in my life.
1: Not, don't say probably. You will (laughs) absolutely never never see $51 billion. Not in this lifetime, buddy.
0: Yeah. But also, that's only 0.2%, 0.2% of the United States GDP, global domestic product. So, there we're actually, if you take it from a GDP standpoint, we're at the bottom of the list of countries that have sent aid to Ukraine. But we're at the top of the sheer amount of dollars sent. Yeah, okay. Also okay, with that well, almost half of it is military aid and not actually dollars that were spent.
1: Oh, okay. Can you explain the difference between actual dollars sent and military aid? Why do they include military equipment in the dollar total?
0: So I I honestly think it's a good conversation to have cuz I don't think a lot <laughs> of people understand what that means i mean i Um, don't get
1: it doesn't make sense to me why are they including the military equipment in the dollar cent
0: right so when a country like the u.s approves a military aid package there is a lot that goes into that the more Uh, the majority of it is sending military equipment to the country they're trying uh, to help in this case ukraine but those pieces of equipment at one point cost money so it's if you think of it, it's kind of like when you donate an item an item of clothing or something there's a price tag yeah. associated with that. So while you may not have taken money out of your bank account or put money into your bank account and then handed it to Goodwill or something like that, you did spend money on the item previously and you no longer have that item. With
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, and so with military equipment especially, there's also repercussions in doing that.
1: So it's kind of like a donation receipt?
0: Yeah, and also um, if so if Ukraine wins the war in Russia with Russia, not in Russia, but if Ukraine wins yeah. the war with Russia, yeah. they will be expected to pay back all of that money.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Well, what kind of repercussions? Let's circle back to what you said at the end yeah. um, of the explanation. What are the repercussions of you know the milita- sending military equipment?
0: Oh, so the main one is You no longer have that weapon or that piece of equipment that's going to be expended. And that's actually doing a number on those countries that are sending it out there, their military stockpile. That's why. So this week, NATO actually said they were going to increase their target number for stockpiling ammunition. They said that Ukraine is burning through munitions much faster than they thought. And it's much faster than those countries can actually produce them. So right now, a year after the conflict, those stockpiles are seriously depleted. But I will say this. This is part of Russia's plan. So make no mistake, adversarial countries like Russia, Iran, China, they're loving this. It's making those allied Western nations in NATO and the U.S., it's making their ability to fight a sustained conflict less likely.
1: Uh, and making matters worse, there may be more conflict in the near future with Russia having its sights set on Moldova. Do you have any information on what is happening in that country?
0: I do. I know you have reached out to some people and you know some things that are going on there as well. We'll keep that out yeah. of here. Yeah. So, last week, you know, the Moldovan prime minister resigned and the government just basically hmm. collapsed. Uh, today just approved a new European Union-friendly non-pro... So not a pro-Russian prime okay. minister,
1: which is okay. a good thing. Yeah, I thought they would definitely install someone pro-Russia. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what we for were definitely sure. looking for because that was going to be a trigger point for Russia yeah. coming in there. So after all that happened... Yes, reports started coming out from Ukrainian intelligence and they claim that Russia was actually eyeing a possible coup in the country. Moldova's president publicly made that statement as well, said that she saw the reports. So honestly, that country, the entire country is on high alert.
1: Yes, I can say I know that too. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, you've talked about Moldova being the next likely country invaded for a while now. If that is to be believed, what do you think is preventing Putin from just aiding that country now and setting up his own government?
0: Yeah. And, and I'm glad you caveated with that. If if you want to believe that that's going to happen, why yeah. why hasn't Putin just done it? Well, the main reason is Russia hasn't been successful in its war in Ukraine. They're not as successful as they had hoped. That's delayed a lot of military plans for future conflicts. And I talk about this a lot when making predictions You have to take the human element into it, Um, Uh and we just don't know what humans are going to do. So what we're seeing right now with Moldova is a more shift to covert attempts to create dissent in the country. The more dissent they can create in the country, that will allow for a Russian coup without using a military force. Why don't they want to use a military force? Because they want to have more troops to throw at Ukraine for these new offensives.
1: So why is Moldova so important to Putin? Well, for a lot of the same
0: reasons, Ukraine is important. It was a Soviet nation until the Soviet Union fell. It puts Russian troops at the doorstep of another former Soviet nation, that country being Romania. And then it gives Russia more flexibility in where it can stage troops for follow-on invasions to that country of Romania.
1: So (laughs) do you see it as being more likely Russia invades Moldova with troops or does the covert first row of the government seem more likely
0: well i think putin would love he would be at his happiest if he there was just a coup created by intelligence the agents Moldovan within moldova people? well it'll be in like you know the in the intelligence agents from russia within moldova creating dissent oh. and then the yeah, people yeah. uprise because of that okay um, and that would give That would give him the ability to install a pro-Russian government. The less military power that Russia needs to use on Moldova is going to make things a lot easier on the Russian military. So I do think that the focus will be on a coup in that country. But listen, I can't, like I said, about humans, you just don't know what's going to happen. I can't rule out a possible invasion coming from Transnistria.
1: Well, we'll keep a track of that and see how it plays out. Also, this week Russia flew its nuclear-capable strategic bombers near U.S. and NATO airspace. Is this a show of force, or do you see it as part of Putin's plans to use nukes in the near future?
0: Well, if you remember last week, I downgraded my prediction for. I nukes. do. Yeah, yeah. That's because I talk to you every day.
1: <laughs> I just it. Um, I remember you mentioning it on
0: oh last yeah, week's right.
1: podcast. You goofball, <laughs> like that's what I meant.
0: I thought you were like you tell me this every day.
1: No, 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 not at <laughs> all. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to hear the same stuff again. Right? For the, yeah. For the seventh time this week. This is awesome.
0: Well, Jacob <laughs> McManus is with you. He knows you're just fed up and tired with hearing uh, me talk about this.
1: No, because it. it, it affects the whole planet, you know. It does. And I want I want to hear what's going on and you have more insight than I do. Me just reading articles.
0: Well, I try to bring that to here and and also like you do to me, call me out when there's some BS going on. Because sometimes I do speak some BS but eh. that's on different topics. <laughs> Let's get back on topic here. Yeah,
1: what the heck? Jeez. God,
0: So, Barring a military (laughs) disaster for Russia. During these new offensives, I don't think that Putin will use a tactical nuclear missile there. But I also will say, I'll I'll tell you what I told Marissa over at Newsmax. She emailed me this week asking about this. Um, That goes behind a paywall, like I said. So I like to give this to you guys so you don't have to pay for that.
1: But there are other articles without paywalls that he has been a part of this week. So you should probably post those, too.
0: Yeah, I'll put those in the show notes so everybody can see. We're international, so we got the UK. But here's what I said. These are my quotes exactly from the article. So the flying of these TU-160 supersonic strategic bombers is a show of force from Putin, more than sort of the next phase of the war.
1: Okay.
0: Certainly views the U.S. and NATO as increasing their role in helping Ukraine, and that's a concern for him. So the flying of these aircraft gives Putin the ability to show the West, NATO, the U.S, what they would okay. have done what, what they would have to deal with in a conflict with Russia. Make no right. mistake. Putin will use tactical nuclear weapons if he deems them the last resort for winning the war in Ukraine. But at this time, I don't see a scenario where he's going to use those weapons, especially not on Western Europe or the United States.
1: So still nothing to worry about as far as a full on nuclear war, in your opinion?
0: Well, like I always say, preparation is key. We uh, yeah. should prepare for any and all possibilities. But yeah. I don't see a need to start like hoarding food, finances, weapons,
1: Toilet that paper. F-
0: toilet paper. Yeah, don't don't do that any because I need
1: that, it. Well, I was just thinking about quarantine. Whenever people were beating each other up for toilet paper.
0: Yeah, we we went through a and whole pool, man. Everybody, we everybody
1: do- went through it. The whole you don't remember the whole plan oh, of yeah. lockdown. I don't know if you recall this little thing called yep. COVID
0: nineteen. No, I wasn't tracking that. It
1: didn't af- it didn't affect geopolitics at all?
0: Yeah, it didn't. No. Yeah. Or just all c- right.
1: your civilian life. Or yeah, we could anything. do the <laughs> we
0: could do the what three year anniversary of that and show how it's affected geopolitics in a major way.
1: I, yeah, but also I don't want to talk about COVID anymore, so let's move on. Thank you. Oops.
0: Let's move on. I was gonna end this by saying, well, just this topic. Okay, that we're still ninety seconds to midnight. You know, that seems like close to nuclear war, but we're still a ways away on the disaster
1: clock. Okay. okay well, moving outside of Eastern Europe. Let's talk about these balloons. Oh. It is all anyone wants to talk about this week because the United States shot down more objects and then just kinda left it open to interpretation as to what those <laughs> objects may have been. And yeah. what what is the update there?
0: Yeah, so I liked that left it open to interpretation because they really did. They were like, We don't know what yeah. it was, but we shot it down. Yeah,
1: well, There's a, no, one's, a lot going no on. one's gonna ask questions.
0: Oh my goodness, yeah There's my opinion coming out. Yep. But yeah, there we go. Let's see. One object was shot down over Alaskan airspace. Then right. another object was shot down by a US fighter jet, an F35, over Canadian airspace. Mhm. Now, at first, it, we all just assumed, I'm saying myself as well, but all all of us just assumed they're balloons and that's that's just what happened, which shooting down an object flying twenty to 60,000 feet in in the air without knowing exactly what it is, I think is more concerning to me than yeah. knowing the original Chinese spy balloon was flying all over the continental United States.
1: Yeah, you kept saying openly that it might not be the best to even shoot down the spy balloon and just be mm-hmm. more vigilant tracking any and all of the aircraft flying in US airspace. Do you think those shootdowns in Alaska and Canada were done out of an abundance of caution, or was there an a legitimate threat there?
0: So I can only speak for, well, I'm not even going to speak for the United States, but I can speak yeah. of what's going on in the United States. Because, yeah. you know, there's also more countries that are coming out saying that they're seeing an increase in these systems flying above their country's airspace. But uh, uh, the... the I will say that the Biden administration does not want another boondoggle like the one they saw when the first balloon was kind of pictured and then posted on social media and everybody took off with it. Now, as with everything in the U.S. government, the pendulum is actually swinging back to being more vigilant about what is flying around.
1: Okay. well, do you think this is a bad idea?
0: I mean, I think it's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea to shoot down just any and every craft that can't be identified. Um, we'll, we'll take out the. Let's get into an intergalactic conflict with aliens. So you do. So you don't. There.
1: You don't think. You don't think it's aliens.
0: I can't say one thing or not. You know, the old DeGrasse Tyson said anyone who thinks it's aliens is an idiot. But I think okay. we should do our due diligence about it, <laughs> uh, about <laughs> whatever this is, because. Like I said, take out the intergalactic conflict, which okay, we would okay, lose. yeah, let's,
1: let's get back on track. Yeah, let's get back on track here. I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna go on record that we would lose that conflict.
1: Yeah, that, for sure. So,
0: just shooting down any craft you see above your airspace without, you know, checking what it is—that's how you get into yeah. unint- unintended conflicts, and that's how you get into unintended conflict with an adversarial nation.
1: See, that's what leads me to believe that it's not UFOs because <laughs> our, pe- our little pew-pews oh, yeah. couldn't be able to... You know, it wouldn't be a match for their time. Oh, yeah, there's a
0: it, there would it, be a Death Star.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I think we deserve it, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, some people, honestly, would argue that flying a surveillance system above an adversarial sovereign nation could be perceived as an at war. Do you agree with that assessment or... Could you offer some insight as to why you think it's best to not shoot these objects?
0: So I'll say I'm, I'll am i neither agree nor disagree with that statement. You know, the statement like these devices are gathering intel on a sovereign nation and that's an act of war. I don't disagree or agree with that because every single day in this country, in the United States, the country that we're in, yeah. someone is working on the ground, whether in universities or for politicians they're gathering intelligence. China has right. probably the biggest group of people here in universities trying to yeah. get intel. So would would anybody consider that to be an act of war? I think some may and some people would just say, well, that's just what every country does. I say that all of that is a sign of a Cold War. But to actually go into a full-on conflict with a country because they were attempting to collect intelligence, that's a bit extreme. Right. Now, then to answer your second question, I think what the U.S. did in the initial stages of the balloon fiasco was the correct thing to do.
1: What actions are you talking
0: about? Well, I can't get into too much detail, and, and I felt like a crazy person because I had assumed this was going on. So the f- first, the intelligence community this week actually confirmed, that's how I can say this now, that they had tracked the balloon, that first Chinese spy balloon, at the point <laughs> of takeoff. So that's how they know it came from China.
1: Oh, okay. As it
0: reached U.S. airspace, they were able to intercept and track the balloon, as well as they jammed its sort of, in, it, what we call ISR, its Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance Payload.
1: So they did know it was there the entire time.
0: Yeah, it's something I believed from the start. And we got to remember, a lot of this stuff becomes highly classified And we just don't want the information getting into adversaries' hands.
1: Is that why they didn't admit to tracking it initially?
0: Yeah, 100%. U.S. intelligence is very cautious about what information it releases because, you know, even the most minute detail or mundane task that's being done can be analyzed to help a country build sort of anti-intelligence gathering devices. So the more China knows about U.S.-owned intelligence devices the better they can prepare for those things. And then it gives them an advantage on the battlefield.
1: Is there any benefit at all to shooting these devices down?
0: Sure. If you message it correctly, which we didn't do in this country, (laughs) you can rally an entire nation around a common goal. That goal would be China right now. And, And even a country as divisive as this one, as America, can rally against China in a perceived aggressive action towards the American population. Now, honestly, China does a better job of this than the United States. But those rallying cries could be quite effective in getting the population actually behind a future conflict with an adversary nation.
1: China does a better job because China controls the media and what, right. t- what gets put out there. We don't do that. So you can pull from different sources and
0: Make your own opinion
1: (laughs) or or not or believe in a conspiracy theory over that, you know. So anyways, this is the perfect segue into the next topic, because it looks like China is already trying to rally its people against the U.S. as they have now publicly stated that the United States actually started the Great Balloon Conflict of 2023. (laughs) Yes, like flying a U.S. intelligence airship over their country first. Did the U.S. in fact fly an air balloon over China first? And if so, how is that different from what China is accused like of doing?
0: Well, as we always do here, we're going to stick to the facts and let you know when the All conspiracy right. theories start spewing out of our mouths because those are fun to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes we got to gotta throw something. A little spicy yeah. in there. Keep you on your toes. So you're still making sure you're still paying attention. Like and what? I'd are there lo- aliens now? The
0: I'd f- love to throw out a conspiracy theory and have a yeah. ton of people just hit us up and and tell us what they've seen with Heard? the conspiracy theory and, and what facts right. they found. Um, right. Those are fun conversations. So that's pl- not why we're here. <laughs> no, that's not why we're here. We're we're here to yeah. to stick to the facts, like I said, and yeah. factually. But I can say right here is that the the U.S. carried out a few tests of high altitude surveillance balloons in 2020 during COVID. The balloons used actually flew at altitudes between 60 and 90,000. They were able to stay in the air for weeks or even months at a time. and That allowed them to cover larger areas more quickly than they ever have been before. If you're hearing some commonalities with the discussion of the Chinese surveillance balloon, that's because it's very similar to that one. Yeah. What they did was they put on these balloons navigational systems that enabled actual pilots' users to direct the balloons easily without, you know, sacrificing accuracy or precision of the location. So they're not just putting a GPS coordinate in and shooting it out there. The military also found that these balloons could be easily recovered after the mission as long as they aren't shot down. <laughs> and that was due right. to some improvements in performance that they had over some of the other models that they were trying. So, say all that to say this. Does the U.S. military have the capability to fly high-altitude surveillance balloons? Yes, 100%. That's confirmed. Does it mean that the U.S. has begun using these devices? Not necessarily. But there could be a classified program right now that I don't know about that has put yeah. these platforms into real world usage and it very well could have flown these devices over china mm-hmm. i haven't seen the evidence that this is true i just don't automatically say oh that's that's false unless i do the research on it um right. but what i what i'm seeing now is typical of you know china attempting to deflect from the fact that they were caught publicly globally, right. globally flying yeah. <laughs> One of those ISR devices over the continental United States.
1: And that is only straining relations between the U.S. and China, right?
0: Yep, exactly. After the U.S. shot yeah. down China's balloon, you know, the Chinese refused a call from U.S. Secretary of Defense Austin, Lloyd Austin. Right. And that made relations even worse.
1: Well, why should they answer? I don't I don't know. I, if i am be mad, I would go pitch a little bit myself, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be. Well, I don't answer <laughs> my shot phone. shot
1: my balloon. Yeah, if I'm mad at you, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not saying you. I I didn't mean you specifically. I
0: I just know if (laughs) on my phone it pops up Pentagon, I go, I'm not answering that. And I'm not even Chinese, so.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. And (laughs) now Email me. Email me, Pentagon. No, just kidding. (laughs) And now (laughs) China ends meeting with Iran to improve their relations, correct?
0: Yeah, so, you know, the Chinese leader Xi Jinping and then Iran's President Raisi met this week to discuss those two countries' relationships, try to improve that. Xi pledged right. to deepen ties with Iran. He said that China opposes external forces that are interfering in Iran's internal affairs and undermining Iran's security and stability.
1: Oh, I'm sure they actually care about that. <laughs> And both countries view themselves as counterweights to America's status as a superpower, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. China, Iran, and Russia, they see themselves as like the main barrier to what they would view as the long arm of the American empire.
1: And do Iran and China have plans to continue discussions on countering U.S. power?
0: Well, I read that Xi's actually going to travel to Iran in the near future for a diplomatic right. tour of that country i will credit the biden administration of the united states you don't hear that too often from me but the state <laughs> department spokesperson that's ned price I don't,
1: hear you say, I don't i don't hear you say anything positive about our any government really yeah very well, they, very um, it's not it's a not rare de- it's a rare thing
0: that's for their pr to do not not yeah. for me yeah but like i said the True. state department spokesperson publicly has urged China to influence Iran to benefit the U.S. They want them to okay. lower potential threats in the region, and they said that would be in both the Chinese and American interests.
1: Hmm. Well, that won't happen, I'm sure, yeah. but it's a nice thought. I mean, it would yeah. be cool. <laughs> Let's move from the Indo-Pacific and Middle East and discuss what I believe is more of a U.S. domestic event We briefly Mm -hmm. spoke last week about the article from Seymour Hersh that pointed the finger at the U.S. government for covertly planning and executing the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline. This week, an open-source intelligence analyst took a crack at assessing the information. What do you know about that article, and could you give more credence to his information, or is there something in the Seymour Hersh article that now leads you to believe that he has accurate
0: I will say that I actually did next month's Insightful Inquiries this past week, talked to Alexa O'Brien, who's a journalist, and we discussed this mm-hmm. a lot. And I'm going to plug that again later on whenever the the month, whenever it March comes up. Comes in up. March? In March. Yeah. She has a lot of great insight. She she said she doesn't know Hirsch personally, but she knows of him. She knows a lot of his his inner circle. It's a great conversation. Okay. But specifically on this case. So the analyst in question, his name is Oliver Alexander. He is an open source source intelligence analyst. Open um, source. Open source.
1: Sounds like you've got sounds like you're getting that Maryland accent.
0: I'm trying.
1: Yep. <laughs> I was in Baltimore
0: over the weeks. So. <laughs> um, but he focuses more on current events. His article was blowing holes in Seymour Hirsch's Pipe Dream and that I'm going to say that's a pretty fantastic headline, if I'm being honest.
1: (laughs) What did he say in his analysis of the event? So
0: first, I'll say that I loved that he started the article by stating he's not going to make any conclusions on who is to blame for the Nord Stream sabotage. His initial analysis of Hirsch's article was similar to what many many intelligence practitioners said, what we've said on this show. So the, the high level of detail is where the entire story begins to unravel you know, fall apart. This is something that human intelligence agents, interrog- interrogators, police investigators say, you know, the more detail a person gives on a specific event, the easier it is to poke holes in the story. Um, uh-huh. most, most times someone trying to manufacture a story to push their own narrative, they're going to add a ton of details to give the appearance, appearance and I can't talk Jeez, to you,
1: dude, what is with you? You're a tongue-tied.
0: Yeah, it's been a long day.
1: Um, Yeah,
0: I know. they, They want to give the appearance that they know what they're talking about. Right. So coming out of Oliver, out of his article, he said, I'm going to quote him specifically here. It is often stated that people who lie have a tendency to add too much superfluous detail to their accounts. This attempt to cover all bases is in many cases what trips these people up.
1: There were details that he was unable to uncover. Right. They didn't line up with what we do know about the incident.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm going to briefly run through those. Like I said, check the show notes because I'm going to link both of those articles in there. Um, They're free to the public. Substack is usually a pay. You have to pay to subscribe, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) These are both free to the public. They will ask for your email. There's a little thing that says skip or continue. You don't have to even put your email in and you can read it. And I do say everybody try to go out there and read those. But one that he does bring up was also one that just didn't make sense to me either. So Hirsch said, during the supposed initial planning of this operation, it appears that the CIA and inter, and the entire interagency group of intelligence professionals were unaware of the fact that the Nord Stream pipelines were in fact pipelines. Listen, you and I discussed the Nord Stream pipeline in 2021. So to uh-huh. say, the CIA didn't know it was a pipeline—that's illogical, right? I, that doesn't mean you know there wasn't some low-level analyst or a low-level operative in the CIA that maybe no. works counterterrorism or East Asia, and they just didn't know about the pipeline and what it did. It's hard to believe high-level CIA people were out of the loop on the pipeline.
1: Yeah. Uh... I think I'd have no faith in the CIA if that were actually the case. Yeah. I mean if we if do you know, Tweedle Dum and Tweedledee know yep. about know about it, I'm sure the CIA knows. So they have to be so blind to what's going on in Europe that they would actually be that ineffective
0: at their job. Yeah. No doubt in my mind, your statement that you just said is a hundred percent factual.
1: Do you have another instance where the information just doesn't mesh with reality?
0: Yeah, I'll go into one more very quickly, and then everybody who wants can read the article. Or you can reach out if you want more insight, and I can just blast an email out to you. Hirsch's source, his single anonymous source, claimed Americans had convinced planners, this is for the Balt Ops exercise for NATO, to add a research and development exercise to that, to that. And that would be where the event would involve NATO teams of divers planting mines and then competing teams using the latest underwater technology would go out and find and destroy those mines.
1: So in this scenario, they still weren't aware it was the Nord Stream Pipeline?
0: No, they were... They would. So the people planning it would be aware it's the Nord Stream Pipeline, but the people within NATO doing the exercise would be yeah. under the assumption that it's just a mind-sweeping exercise. Um, Yeah, that's
1: that's what that was talking about.
0: And Hurst (laughs) says that they forced NATO to put that in there.
1: Oh, forced them to put in the exercise, told them specifically where they wanted them to execute the exercise and didn't let them know that it was the Nord Stream pipeline. Yes. Okay, okay. Well, that sounds logical. I can see the U.S. or even NATO requesting that.
0: Yeah, and it's so logical that Balt Ops, that exercise, has used this same specific mind-sweeping as part of its exercise for years. It's just something that's already planned and executed for each iteration of the exercise. So it's the U.S. would not say, hey, you need to put this in here, because it's already in there. I will say, I want to just to quickly get through this, because time is going. We are poking holes in the Hirsch article. But I do want to say that, and I want to make it clear, that none of this means the article was 100% debunked. Yeah. I don't have a clear idea of who actually sabotaged those pipelines. I can go through some analysis and some of the things that I've seen behind the scenes and do deductive reasoning and identify a logical culprit, but that would only be based off of publicly accessible information.
1: And it'd be basically your opinion since you don't really have anything to back it up just exactly using okay well that's good to know do you have anything else you'd like to discuss this week
0: nope after that we are out of time for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify Podcasts and give us a five-star review because those can help us get listened and noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakwin Analytics.
0: Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.